You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Padres podcast, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day for Thursday. That's right, Thursday. Wow, fast week, huh? crazy what happens when you have a day off thursday uh september 9th as always i'm your host with sometimes occasionally but certainly not always the most javier reyes you might be familiar with some of my baseball related work at places like baseball fyi friars on base off the bench baseball or more recently just baseball to which i am a staff writer for or maybe if by any chance because the potters have been depressing you for the greater amount of the last month plus you can check out some of my pop culture related work at places like nerdist mental floss inverse blade disgusting film credit and more and hopefully many more to come but of this year lockdown padres podcast guys you can check out and follow the twitter page for the show which is at lo underscore padres or my personal account which is at javapeno which is spelled j-a-v-i-i-p-e-n-o if you feel so inclined hit me up on there with any questions comments or concerns that you might have and i'd love to get back to you and maybe even have your question featured on this here show and in terms of today's show guys before we get into it we are brought to you by locked on mlb join walking baseball encyclopedia paul francis sullivan but please just promise me one thing call him sully every day on locked on mlb for a unique look at the majors both past and present featuring exciting guest interviews check-ins from locked on mlb's you know host of local experts subscribe to locked on mlb today uh podcast on the odyssey app or wherever else you get your podcast guys it's really great sully does a great job over there and for today's episode like i mentioned like i mentioned ladies and gentlemen like i mentioned i mean it's just i've mentioned him many times before and that's eric cosmer we're gonna slander him a little bit for sure today but he won't be the main uh event that we talk about today we're gonna be talking a little bit about Hassan kim and his tenure and how i feel about him so far in his first year with the padres we'll be recapping of course last night's game that the padres thankfully were able to win talking about you darvish's starting performance and then because it was big news yesterday i thought it was general news enough we had some baseball hall of fame inductee things to discuss and I felt like that would be kind of cool just to give my thoughts because I think that in general, this is a, a conversation that gets brought up all the time. And I feel like it's worth getting my thoughts out there until I inevitably have to give them, put them out there yet again when we get into the fall, we start talking about Hall of Fame discourse all over again. But guys, with that said, let's let's get this show on the road, ladies and gentlemen. Last night, the Padres defeated the Los Angeles Angels by a score of 8-5. to five. Thankfully, uh, kind of redeeming themselves after wasting the absolutely brilliant performance by Blake Snell uh, in Wednesday's game, taking a perfect game up to the seventh inning. Just unbelievable stuff from Blake Snell, who has been en fuego for the last month plus. He deserves, I gotta spin it. For, everybody, for all my uh, video listeners, I gotta spin the rally copter. For Blake Snell. But actually, I'm going to keep it spinning because you Darvish was excellent. Excellent. Uh, maybe excellent is stretching it a little bit. We'll talk about that in a second. But in terms of just the raw numbers in last night's game, guys, you Darvish goes six innings, allowing only one earned run on three hits, walking one, striking out seven. That is such a classic, like early season, you Darvish. When he used to just give up very few hits. Maybe not necessarily strike out the most guys in the world, but he would give you quality starts for sure all the time. Not just three runs or less, but two runs or less. He was an absolute ace for most of the season. And as everybody has reported, as everyone's talked about, his ERA in June above like a 7.5 around that range. And then in August, 
around a 6.25. So it's nice to see him turn this in. I don't think he looked exactly electric, although I did retweet onto the Lockdown Padres page uh, a really a great moment involving him with his splitter. Uh, that just looked absolutely uh, phenomenal. I should say a slider uh, from pitching ninja, Rob Friedman. Uh, I thought they had some good moments, but in fairness, this is kind of a middling angels team, especially without Anthony Rendon, especially without um, Mike Trout and some other guys on that team. It's just not exactly a, a daunting lineup. So it's nice to get excited about it, right? It's nice to get excited about anything that you Darvish does. This is very similar to how I feel like we were feeling for Blake Snell for most of the year, right? We were always, every time he would have a decent start, we're like, can he build on this? Most oftentimes he didn't. Uh, we're going to need you Darvish to, st- uh, to turn it around fast though, if we want this to be good. But the good news is that the Padres starting rotation has been really, really great for a while now. I mean, back to pack really good performances from the Padres, even if I'm not necessarily saying that you Darvish is back now. Bottom line is that the starting rotation for the Padres has been excellent, excellent for a while now, ever since they got Chris Paddock back. I know you Darvish hasn't been necessarily him, himself, but ever since he basically around that time when some of their pitchers started getting healthy, uh, we've seen a drastic change in starting pitching performance uh, for sure um, from the Padres, which is absolutely lovely, which is absolutely lovely. But we got to talk about also the highlights of this game, which weren't, you know, necessarily all that many, despite the score, it was actually kind of a boring game for the Padres, at least in my opinion, most of the damage that they do is in the bottom of the second inning. Adam Frazier is the hero of last night's game. Guys, he on the night goes, uh, two for four with three RBIs, including a double kind of like the first extra base hit that I've seen him hit arguably for a while. Seriously. I, he's definitely hit an extra base before in his tenure with the Padres, Adam Frazier, but it's one of the first ones that I can really remember. He doubles to deep center to score the first run of the game, uh, which is Will Myers, the speedy Myers allowing to score. Then Jake Cronworth drives in you Darvish who manages to get on base, by the way, Tatis draws a walk. Eric Hosmer draws a walk. Will Myers draws a walk. And then, Tatis scores on a wild pitch. By the way, all those consecutive walks, they walked in all those runs, guys, right? And then Adam Frazier, same inning, gets a single to bring in Eric Hosmer and Will Myers. And that's basically it for the rest of the Padres scoring, which is a little concerning considering that they basically just went to sleep. It's not like the Angels have some shut down bullpen, but nonetheless, eight runs is still quite a lot. And they're able to hang on despite uh, a Manny Machado fielding error, despite Juan Lagares is getting a home run and Joe Adele, who's been killing it, by the way, Joe Adele. And I actually think that it deserves to be talked about Joe Adele, just for the Angels, who's becoming a Padres killer. Dare I say, I mean, it's just, it's just very uh, ridiculous to kind of say that, but Joe Adele, he has a 152 WRC plus in his last 12 games and has recently been promoted to the five hole for the angels. So only striking out 15%. So maybe Joe Adele uh, showing some signs for a breakout, maybe next year. It's obviously a little bit too late now, but maybe next year. Um, The last thing that I think you got to mention for this game is the Padres bullpen. I just mentioned those, the Manny Machado era, but besides that, the Juan Ligares home run and the Joe Adele home run, they come off of, uh, what is it? Uh, Tim Hill gives up a run in this game, along with Denelson Lamette, who makes an appearance. He does strike out three batters, but he does also allow two runs on three hits, which is not great whatsoever. Uh, and Daniel Hudson also only getting one out after Tim Hill gets pulled from the game after two outs, only getting one out, giving up uh, a big home run. So here's the thing. Bottom line, though, is that the Padres bullpen, it hasn't been the worst in baseball since July 30th. They have the 15th best ERA in baseball among bullpens, uh, basically uh, in baseball 15th. And that's in a vacuum. Not terrible, right? 
it's just that you, I mean, you, you look around it, right? You have like teams like the White Sox, who have a worse ERA since July 30th, right? The Oakland A's, you know, the Milwaukee Brewers, which might surprise a lot of people. They're pretty good. Boston Red Sox, they're bad. They're all the way at the 28th spot. And those teams aren't necessarily bad. The problem, I think, is with that the Padres is that the bullpen had been carrying them for so much of this year. So see them to see them regress, to see guys like Daniel Hudson be less than uh, spectacular for sure ever since the trade deadline basically uh, and not really fill in the hole that Drew Pomeranz left after he went down for the season uh, it is a little bit concerning thankfully the starting pitching has been picking it up but that's it's just what I ranted about yesterday every time something seems to go right for this team something else has to just completely fall off right the starting pitching Blake Snell Joe Musgrove uh, you Darvish even turns in a good start right well guess what it doesn't matter uh, the bullpen is going to regress it was once the best bullpen in baseball for basically dare i say most of the first half of the season and now it's just kind of a now it's just kind of average um but yeah uh before we continue sorry some sliding uh, wires over here before we continue talking about uh the rest of the topics i want to talk about on the show guys i need to talk to you about molecule mattress i share a bed with a pro bowl quarterback an olympic swimmer and a national women's soccer star all right, all right, let me explain. Let me explain. That was a that was a little bit of a tease. A little I gotcha. It was a little gotcha. But when I heard how many elite athletes sleep on a molecule mattress and call it their best sleep ever, I ordered one for myself and they were spot on. I am not obviously not an athlete and whatnot, but it really helps, guys. Molecule sleep scientists literally created the world's most perfect mattress. It's unlike any other mattress in a box. It's cool to the touch, not like other foam mattresses. It has six times the airflow of my old mattress, so it keeps me cool all night and has zone reflex layers that adjust with me and all my weird sleep positions. Definitely. I mean, I never awaken with a stiff neck whatsoever, guys. That's what's great about my sleep. Uh, and it's antimicrobial. So sleep on your molecule mattress risk-free for 100 nights if you don't have your deepest, most restorative sleep ever. Return it. It's as simple as that. Visit onmolecule.com and save 20% with promo code Locked On. And again, again, let me repeat that one more time. Save 20% with the promo code Locked On at onmolecule.com. And that's not all, guys. That's not all. You need to sleep well, right? But you also need to be entertained, do you not? Today, I want to tell you about a simple way to get the entertainment you love without the hassle. DirecTV Stream brings you live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part, the best part, there's no annual contract, so stop waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. Remember, directtv.com to check out DirecTV Stream, guys. And now, for the second segment of this show, we're talking about two things, two fielding-related things, right? First, let's talk about the kind of the easy thing, which is Hassan Kim, okay? And I know that he wasn't exactly, you know, relevant in last night's game. I don't even think, in fact, that he batted, did he? No, he did not bat last night. Uh, On the season, Hassan Kim has been... Not an extraordinary disappointment. I'd say that for the majority of this season, the biggest extraordinary disappointment has been Blake Snell until this last month or so, which is great. Uh, The team as a whole is disappointing, but that's for another uh, show all entirely when we do a season wrap up, I should say. Um, But Hassan Kim for the Padres this year, he has become a little bit of a folk hero, right? Like he's a little bit of these, one of those guys that nobody really hates on him. He's got such a, an affable personality. He's always smiling. You always see Machado and him in the dugout and whatnot, but just as a player this year, 
a lot to be left to be desired, right? He's this guy that hit 30 home runs in the KBO. He gets brought over. He's the top KBO star heading onto the market, heading into this, you know, Heading into the season, the Padres acquire him that crazy day when they trade for Blake Snell and you Darvish and sign Hassan Kim all within the span of 24 hours. He was brought over there and, and, and over the course of 105 games this year, 239 at bats. Keep that in mind. He's slashing 201 with a 268 on base and a 335 slugging just six home runs and five stolen bases. That's really, really bad. That's really, really, really bad. Um, if he can just be an average player at the plate, he would have been more of a plus for the Padres because if you could take into account his defense this year, uh, he's absolutely incredible. He's a defensive wizard, my friend. Defensive, defensive wizard. His 17 defensive runs saved rank third in baseball. Um, and it's just kind of... That's that's great. I love watching him play play short. I love watching him play second, whatever he needs to play. He zips the ball with the force of a million suns when he needs to, but the guy just can't hit. His pull percentage is really high as well. So even when he is hitting it, it seems like pitchers have kind of caught on to. There was like a period in like June, July when he was batting like 300. He seemed to be kind of a catching up to major league pitching and whatnot, but then he didn't. It's just he's it looks like he's trying to pull every single pitch. He looks lost up there. And one of my takes has been I wish they could send him down to the minors. I really do, but they, while they can, his guaranteed money, uh, it's, it, that makes it a little bit tough, right? That makes it a little bit tough because regardless of whether he's in the minors or the majors, he's going to be making as much money he is, which is a little bit like, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter. I, I don't have it right now in front of me. I am doing this show live on YouTube and whatnot. I don't want to start fumbling through my thing, but he is making around like 10 million or is it $10 million? How much is it? No, it should be like eight. I forgot what the Hassan Kim contract is. Let me look that up really quickly. But basically, guys, um, he's he needs to start being better. I got a comparison yesterday to Nick Ahmed of the Arizona Dimebacks, who is not a terrible player, certainly. Uh, what is it? A four-year, let's see, four-year contract with a mutual option for the 2025 season. I can't see what the money is exactly on this bad boy. Uh, let's see, $28 million. Okay, so yeah, it's not $10 million that he's making every year, so it's a little bit under 10 But bottom line is that Hassan Kim has still not been worth really what the Padres gave him. He still needs some at-bats and still needs some progress, but I really wish that they could send him down to the minors. And a Nick Ahmed comparison, it's not terrible. Like, really good defensive player, but I want more from Hassan Kim. I want to see that power that he displayed in the KBO League, at least a fraction of it. That could be great. Remember when he was getting comparisons to guys like Gene Segura heading into the season? Gene Segura is a really good player. You know what I mean? He doesn't have the most pop in the world, but he's a decent kind of defensive player. He's just an average hits guy. And I thought that's what the Padres might get, or at least a light version of him. And instead, they're just getting a defensive only guy. And if you guys don't remember, Padres fans should know for sure, recent uh, guys that we categorize as defensive wizards who couldn't hit, Remember Austin Hedges? Yeah, I'd rather not repeat that same type of experience. I know that it's great to have a good defender. He's definitely not the worst player in baseball because his defense is so good, like I mentioned with the defensive run saved. But, oh, man, I would like a whole lot more. I would like a whole lot more, guys. But that's just my thoughts just prematurely. We're going to talk about Hassan Kim, I think, more as the season goes on and on tomorrow's episode for sure. Uh, but also, speaking of defensive stuff, it's time, ladies and gentlemen. For a little Eric Hosmer slander. So last night in the game, there's a point in which Jake Cronenworth throws the ball. I forgot what inning it was, to be honest with you. And unlike his play 
with Hassan Kim uh, on Friday when I didn't really realize it initially that he was kind of weirdly like not just running back to the base to get the ball. Usually if it's by, by you as a first baseman, you run to first base and then you sit there and plant and get ready for the ball. This time it wasn't an issue of that. Instead, Hosmer backs up to the, the 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 part of the base, not the front side of the base. I don't know how to explain this. Eric Hosmer giving me so many nightmares with how to even explain with the kind of actions that he's performing on the field. But basically, he gets behind the bag for the throw from Jake Cronenworth, which allows it to hit, uh, I think it's Brandon Marsh on the run, or Jared Walsh, one of those two guys. And my thing is like, Okay, yeah, I noticed that immediately. I tweeted about it, and everyone's like, yeah, he sucks, he's terrible, all this stuff. And I was like, I agree. You're supposed to just stand there. You plant like a tree, and then you lean for the ball, or you scoop the ball. That's kind of what a first baseman does. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I could not do this. I would have done the same thing as Eric Cosmer, but I also am not a major league first baseman that signed an eight-year, $144 million contract, and I'm. it's just – it's annoying. It's annoying. My mom was losing it. You guys would I'm – I'm thinking – of like finding a way to incorporate and like record my mom when she doesn't know. I know that's like illegal and you can't do that. But like I might just like record her and her reactions to watching Eric Cosmer. She hates him. Like really hates Eric Cosmer more than me and more than no, maybe not more than most of you guys, most of you Padres fans, but he's been just a disaster. And it's yet another example of Eric Cosmer. It is just he makes plays. <sighs> he has moments where you're like, I just don't understand. Like, this is a joke. You know, it's an absolute joke. And every day that he keeps having moments like this, every day that he keeps having the moments like with Hassan Kim, like the moment and on Friday, the same game, when he strikes out with the bases loaded at pitches all outside the zone, that he hits everything on the ground, seemingly hell-bent, being stubborn on improving his game when we've seen so many other players in baseball improve their game with the launch angle revolution and all that stuff, with their defensive prowess and whatnot. Basically showing, by the way, that gold gloves are meaningless, which we'll get into in a second, by the way. Um, All of that combined, and it just makes him just an infuriating player, and it makes it harder and harder every day to envision any team taking this guy on. We're going to talk about that at some point, what trade destinations Eric Hosmer could have, but let me tell you guys, that was frustrating. What are you doing? I mean, what are you doing? The types of areas you have, it's not all just, ah, he tried to reach out and this, the the pickup or whatever, the scoop just didn't work. No, it's not like that. It's moments like Hassan Kim. It's moments like tonight where he just fundamentally seems like a bozo who doesn't even know how to play first base on top of being one of the worst qualified batters in baseball. If I'm not mistaken, his defensive rating is also still up there with the worst among all players in baseball. Yeah. He's worse at defending than Hassan Kim is hitting. Well, it's at least it's compatible. It's at least compatible, guys. But speaking of things that are compatible, guys, you know what's really great when it comes to gambling and stuff? BetOnline.ag. It's that time of the year, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest. Open now at Bet online head to the website use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100 welcome bonus and take advantage of their opening day remember today is opening day between the dallas cowboys and super bowl champion buccaneers and if you bet on that if you lose your wager will be refunded up to 25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code 
NFL 100. But it's also the fastest, easiest way for all of your favorite sports, not just football, but baseball, of course, basketball, UFC, MMA, hockey, whatever you want. All the futures bets, they've got you covered. Remember to use the promo code locked on, guys. Also, while you're there, bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And now, shifting gears for just a second. Vroom. ladies and gentlemen this episode is brought to you by rock auto with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts stores to stock all the parts you need why endure often pointless or intimidating questions that they ask you is your odyssey an lx or ex no one even knows what that means but thankfully you have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket you could save time and money which is the most important thing of course why choose to spend 30 50 even 100 percent more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership for example Honda Odyssey fuel pump, it's $353 from chain stores while only $216 from Rock Auto, right? They're a family business and they've been serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years, always reliably low prices, and they have everything you can need from motor oil, brake parts, tail lamp, new carpet, whatever you need, they got you covered. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in their How'd You Hear About Us box so they know. We sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Yeah, I know. What can I say, guys? I lost it for half a second. I almost went Joker. I almost went Joker there. And I think that is a combination there of Eric Hosmer's defense being talked about and just the disaster that he is. Uh, I think that that's what kind of had a little bit of a um, an effect on me there. But don't worry. We are back. But we're still talking about bad defense to agree, ladies and gentlemen. And here's the thing. With Eric Hosmer... One of the reasons we all get upset also is because he's an alleged four-time gold glover, right? Let's talk about another gold glover. Uh, And this isn't necessarily Padres-centric, but I still think it is important. And that is the Hall of Fame ceremony yesterday. Derek Jeter was inducted into the Hall of Fame, which is really great. Uh, I I enjoyed I watched it as I was doing some work today. Thankfully, I was working at home for you guys that don't know. I do part-time stuff and whatnot. So I was at home. was blessed to be able to do that. And it was cool. Uh, Derek Jeter, obviously one of the most famous ball players probably of the last like 20 years i'd say basically in all major league baseball one of the most famous ones not necessarily the best but still uh one of the most famous ones so this was long uh gonna happen it was expected and whatnot and he had the whole speech he did have the moment saying you know i thank you to all the writers except for one you know what i mean like in reference to the one writer that did not vote him unanimously into the hall of fame and baseball twitter in their just in their ever going, if in their continued quest to be as insufferable as possible, uh, a little bit of a mini discourse was raised today, and that was kind of the talk about Derek Jeter. Not just baseball Twitter, but all over the place. I heard it on Around the Horn with my beloved Mina Kimes, who I love so much, uh, who does a lot of football stuff. Even her being on the wrong side of this issue, and that's the question of: Is Derek Jeter overrated? I know you're already yawning already. I get it. I get it. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't know how many times I have to say this myself on video, on audio or whatever, but what makes a Hall of Fame player isn't just having like three all-timer seasons. It's sustained, consistent success. That's why Andrew Jones, who's considered one of the best defensive players, actually not even one of probably the best defensive players in the history of baseball, who I think could, I think deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, but I do understand a little bit the case against him, which is that second half of his career just completely forgets how to hit, like becomes basically unplayable. You just can't hit. 
like whatsoever. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, just go look up his baseball reference page, uh, Andrew Jones. I still think being the best defender probably ever in your prime for a good like seven, eight years still might make it that you have to be in the Hall of Fame. But I at least understand the the naysayers uh, for Andrew Jones. But in the case of Derek Jeter, he definitely was not a great defensive player, but his offensive skills were were almost like unparalleled. You know what I mean? This is a guy that hit consistently 300 every year, 250 home runs. He's the all-time, I think he's the all-time hits leader for the Yankees, right? Yeah, he is, right? That happened, right? Yeah. There was that moment when he got the, yeah, it, that should be it. Yeah, yeah, that should be it. He beat Lou Gehrig, I'm pretty sure. Why am I not, why didn't I just look this up before him? But anyway, guys, Um, and on top of all that, he was consistent like I played for such a long time. And if you really want some raw numbers about that, wins above replacement, he's one of the top 10 shortstops of all time with wins above replacement. Uh, and one of those guys, uh, Alex Rodriguez, is a little bit of a controversial figure. So let's just say top nine, I guess you could say, because I let's just say Vegas over under for what uh, percentage of people vote Alex Rodriguez in the Hall of Fame this coming uh, offseason is probably like at sitting at like 28%. Let me get. Let me know, guys, in the comments below what you think. Uh, uh, Arod's kind of yes percentage is going to be whether it's going to be over or under. But I guess I was just annoyed because, believe it or not, I actually know some Boston fans. They seem to not be the main perpetrators of this. I know that it was apparently a Boston writer that didn't vote for Jeter for the unanimous selection of the Hall of Fame. But the way I viewed it was just kind of like. It's a lot of Orioles fans I know. Connor Newcomb, I'm going to call him out of Locked On Orioles, coward, calling him overrated basically and saying. Here's the common critique against Derek Jeter, right? Is that he was surrounded by great players and that he's famous because he played for the Yankees. First of all, congratulations to all the people who are figuring out that if you play as a major league athlete for a major media market and succeed in a major media market, you will become more famous. Congratulations, everybody, on figuring that out. I know it's a just a crazy lesson to learn, right? I don't really like that, though, because it takes away from the fact that someone who did grow up a Yankees fan, breaking news to anybody who didn't know that I've mentioned on the pod before, uh, this was a guy who he just had a feeling. He had a vibe about him, right? He had a vibe that he was always going to get that hit for you. He had that vibe that he was always going to get the play. Maybe it's not a home run. He certainly isn't the most talented player ever. He wasn't as good as Ken Griffey Jr., who Mina Kimes brought up on Around the Horn today, but he was consistent. He was always there. Unlike Ken Griffey Jr., there wasn't a giant fall off from Jeter, which I think does deserve to be thrown in there. Ken Griffey Jr. were not awful with Cincinnati. He did regress kind of significantly. Not a bad player, certainly. This might be a little bit of a bad example using Griffey. I mean, he is the kid after all. But my thing is just kind of, I don't understand that. I don't understand this idea that just because he was more famous because if he had played for the Royals, would he have been this famous? So, who cares? It's about, that's just how sports work sometimes. You want to go really deep into all this? Heck, is Scottie Pippen as famous as he is? If he doesn't play for the Jordan Bulls, if someone else drafts him, is he still a Hall of Famer? Sure. But are we just going to start calling him overrated now and all that? Granted, I know I'm making a little bit of stretch with the analogies with Griffey and Scottie Pippen, but it's just kind of like, I don't understand this, this idea that just because a player wasn't better than, you know, all the best shortstops ever, that that for some reason means that he's overrated. I think that overrated oftentimes. I like using underrated more. I think that overrated is it's just impossible to not come off as being exceptionally obnoxious when we're using the term overrated when describing athletes, when we're describing kind of honestly anything, because it's just too, 
too fickle of a definition, too easy of a thing to throw around there. Cause you might view it as overrated just cause you think he's an eight, but uh, people view him as a nine, right? Like that's just kind of like, well, what are we doing here? So that's my issue with people. And again, He's a Hall of Famer. He should have been unanimous, in my opinion. Is it weird that we have other players that didn't get into the Hall unanimously? And that he was only one vote short versus Griffey, who was three short. Hank Aaron somehow didn't get into the Hall of Fame unanimously. unanimously. Uh, But that's more of an issue with baseball writers and the dumb culture that we have that permeates throughout the game, right? So that's that. But I, I just think that it was really cool, and I think that people don't realize like what he meant to Yankees fans and how you could always just count on the guy. And it is interesting looking back that I don't think we're ever going to have a Jeter personality thrive the same way again, right? Uh, even Aaron Judge, who is definitely not an outspoken necessary personality, like he's a little bit more with a Jeter than, say, our beloved Fernando Tatis Jr., it's still kind of amazing. I don't think anyone's going to be as famous as he was with that type of personality. You need to be a Tatis type. Right. You need to be a Lindor type, a Javi Baez type for for crying out loud. Someone like that, a little bit more flamboyant or just that. I mean, look at Mike Trout. Like it took a while before people even knew who he was, even though he was already like one of the best players in the game that we've seen in forever. It took a while before people kind of knew who he was. So I do find that kind of interesting about Derek Jeter, where it's like, wow, looking back, the younger generation isn't going to get it. They're going to be obnoxious about it and just go, oh, what was his war? What was his defense? The only thing about Derek Jeter that was overrated was his defense was overrated. Four-time Gold Glover winner, or five-time, I forgot which. Um, That was overrated. If you're all thinking, well, remember when he dived over and he would do that throw uh, over his shoulder or whatever? Part of that is because his range factor was terrible. He had a lot of errors. He was a very, very bad defensive player. In fact, one of the worst in the history of the Hall of Fame. So in that respect, yes. He was overrated, very, very much so. But his offense was so good and so consistent that he is a Hall of Famer. I know Troy Tulowitzki has had better seasons than Derek Jeter's seasons. Marcus Simeon, two years ago, had a season that's better than a lot of Derek Jeter's best seasons. But guess what? How many times did they do it? That's what makes you a Hall of Famer, and Derek Jeter very much is that. But you know what? I can't lie. I'm hoping that Derek, uh, our boyfriend Tatis Jr. Uh, is a home run, uh, a Hall of Famer. At some point. And at this pace, I hope he is. And when we're not going to talk about him too much on today's episode, before we wrap things up and talk about future episodes, actually, guys, let me talk to you about the Locked On Bets podcast. It doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you you get your podcast guys. I also want to recommend just talked about Jeter and whatnot. Go listen to locked on Yankees uh, hosted by Stacy got So you can also find that on YouTube as well, uh, where she talks about Jeter and kind of growing up with him and all that stuff. Hey, maybe in the off season, I might want to go hop on that show and just talk about Jeter and how I picked him out, not knowing anything as a kid. I just looked at a mural and said, that's my guy had no idea who he was. And I turned out, turned out to be Jeter, which is great instincts on, young Javi's parts. Um, but in terms of the future of this pod, guys, tomorrow's episode is a huge fun crossover with a buddy of mine, Colby Olson, who's a staff writer over at just baseball, a site that I of course contribute to as well. And we're talking about Blake Snell's resurgence. We recorded it on a Tuesday and it's still aged perfectly well given uh blake snell's performance from just a couple nights ago so that's really great we also talk about hassan kim a little bit of the fall off of the padres where they go from here bryce harper mvp stuff a little bit of a bunch of stuff it's a lot of fun and i think you guys are going to enjoy it colby's the man uh and for next week i think 
Finally, we got to talk about Fernando Tatis Jr.'s uh, value as a potential MVP candidate for the NL this year. The race between him, Bryce Harper, maybe even Max Muncy, guys like that. Going to definitely talk about that next week and give my verdict on that. I want to just give it a little bit more breathing room. Because you know how baseball fans are. I've ranted about this before. They're a fickle bunch. You know what I mean? Remember the Zach Wheeler Cy Young? Remember that? Yeah, everybody said he's going to win the Cy Young, and then look what happened. He started to regress a little bit. Still a great pitcher, but he started to regress a little bit. And that's basically was, what, like two, three weeks ago? So we don't know if by the end of next week, Harper enters a slump or something like that, and then Tatis starts going sicko mode again, like we all know he's capable of. So I'm going to be talking about that next week. And also probably going to talk about, let's see here, yeah, probably going to talk about some trade destinations for Eric Hosmer and the former Padres thing planning on doing next week. Uh, but we also have a Dodgers uh, thing. So maybe doing a crossover with Locked on Dodgers. I don't know. I don't know, ladies and gentlemen. But either way, that about does it for today's edition of the Locked on Padres podcast, guys. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, Overcast, wherever. Send me some five-star reviews on the Apple Podcast, guys. Uh, the app. I would greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate that. Follow the show or myself on Twitter. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My Friar Faithful homies, take care.